0: Children's Church. Turn it over to Tim. Thank you, Stu. Well,
1: I think God was kind to you in allowing you to have someone to fill the pulpit while your pastor is away and you don't have to learn a new name but there could be some confusion so let me offer this as a solution your pastor Tim can be first Timothy and I will take second Timothy <laughs> okay does that sound like a fair deal that way it can clear up some confusion cuz it can be confusing And here's another confusing thing that I'm going to do to you this morning. I sent a kind of overview of what I was going to preach uh, to Pastor Tim, and he dutifully recorded the first message as what is in the bulletin. However, he threw a curveball and said, oh, the Navy changed the date when I'm supposed to return. So um, it's a week later. So I said, ooh, I get an extra Sunday, so I think I'm going to do what I originally wanted to do, and that is give an overview of 2 Peter this Sunday, so ignore the title of the message in the bulletin. It is erroneous, it's no one's fault, so we'll just go with it. Um, Let me give you a little bit of background for myself, because, you know, some of you know who I am, you know my name, but you don't know where I came from, or, you know, Pastor Did all his vetting beforehand, but it was really fascinating. We already have a connection with your church, and we didn't know that when we came first. Marsha and I walked in and we turned to the left, and it was two Sundays ago. We came in and we looked at your mission board, and right there in front and on the left hand side, the first name we saw was Paul and Jerry Briggs. You didn't know this, but we are related. Paul and Jerry and Marcia and Tim. We share grandkids. Our next to the last daughter, Rebecca, married Paul and Jerry's youngest son, Evan. And so uh, Evan is my son-in-law. And um, we're going to have to leave as soon as the service is over today because Evan and Becky's youngest, little Emrick, um, is having his first birthday today. And so we're going to head back to Lafayette right away to celebrate the birthday party at Becky and Evans, along with Paul and Jerry. So Paul and Jerry both wanted me to say hi and to greet you and to thank you for your faithful support of them as they minister to college students there at Purdue University. Um, Paul is one of the elders of the church that we uh, attend, the Sioux Street Baptist Church. The other connection, which I found out when we sat and met with the leadership of your church, is this young man over here, Bennett. And you may go, how are you connected to Bennett? Well, Bennett knows a seminary friend of mine that was just a year before me in seminary. Um, His name is Noah Kwashi, and he was the Awana missionary in Ghana, where Bennett comes from. And he gave him his first Bible. So there is a connection. And we didn't know, I didn't know that when I said yes to being part of this endeavor for the summer. Uh, and then when we got here, we also found out that Pastor Tim and I went to the same college and seminary. He followed me. I'm, I'm a few years older than he is. It's okay. Um, and we found out that we had the similar professors that taught us how to study Scripture so hopefully what I do and how I do it won't seem that foreign and odd to you. I'm, I've, obviously, I have a few years of, of uh, experience, and um, I've been infected or affected by various experiences. Marsha and I uh, were missionaries with ABWE for approximately 20 years, and we served in the country of France uh, as church planters and raised our kids there. And then moved back to the US in 2004, where I became the pastor of our sending church in in South Jersey, and then um, moved to Clark Summit for a few years, um, and um, then got involved with Baptist Church Planners. And if you want to know a little bit more about that, uh, I'd be happy to share our story with you. Uh, But the Lord has blessed us with six, six children, five of whom are living. And we have 13 grandchildren now. Miss Lydia Jean Musser was born back uh, two Saturdays ago. Um, and uh, so we've added another member of the family. I, think, I said, thank you, Esther, you're evening up the team. We have uh, seven grandsons and six granddaughters now. So it's getting evened up. Um, but anyway... That is a little bit about Tim and Marcia. We moved to Indiana back in 2015 um, and um, we're now Hoosiers. And I'm okay with that. But I am a transplant. So I'm going to do weird things that come from the East Coast and also from Martinique where I was born in the West Indies as a child of of, uh, parents who were missionaries. And then I've been infected by the French for 20 years. And so that's our background, so if i if I say things that are a little weird and different, and I use an expression that you may not be used to that 's probably why, and so you 'll just have to get used to me you're just going to have to deal with it okay um, I'm looking forward to getting to know you, oh, and in that vein, I know Pastor Tim is usually here on Wednesdays, and Wednesday morning has been the time when he is able to have folks come in and and chat with him. I'm going to switch that time to Wednesday afternoon. So I will be available. We'll be here on Wednesdays for a prayer meeting and then return on Thursday back home. So Kathy, thank you for putting up with us last night and on Tuesday nights, um, or Wednesday nights rather. Um, And so if you need us at any other time, please. um, I hope, Kyle, you're going to publish my... Um, contact information, email, and cell phone. That way folks can get a hold of me. If you need to talk to me or have an urgent request, I live an hour and 50 minutes away. If, if the times on Wednesday or Sundays when I'm here isn't sufficient, I want you to feel free to contact me. Uh, like Chris said, uh, I'm here to be your pastor for this time. But uh, if we can be of any help, please let us know. We'll make time to be with you, okay? Did you get that? I meant that sincerely. Don't hesitate to call. Uh, We want to be a help and an encouragement to you. All right, if you will take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of 2 Peter. And what I'm going to do this morning is basically give you a little bit of an overview uh, about the book, Uh, but also I want to just talk about three things in particular. I want to talk about Peter, the author of the book, his audience, to whom did he write, and then we're going to do a quick little 10,000-foot flyover of Second Peter. I want you to have a, a, a kind of a working knowledge of how Second Peter works and develops and unfolds, and then we'll get into the weeds next Sunday, okay? And uh, I have six more Sundays after this Sunday to be with you, so um, we'll be able to hopefully... Uh, I've kind of divided the book up. There are three chapters. I didn't try to follow it religiously, but we're going to have two messages per chapter. So it's not like you're going to get the verse-by-verse that you're used to with Pastor Tim. But uh, hopefully we'll do a little bit larger portions of Scripture so that by the time we're done with our time with you, you'll have a better understanding of the book of 2 Peter. And I think it's extremely relevant our time here. And we'll talk about how it has played a role in my life and why I think, well, next to the book of James, the book of Second Peter is my favorite book in the New Testament. Uh, and you'll find out the reasons for that. Um, one of the things that I am extremely convinced of is that the Word of God is what we should focus on when we come into God's house. And so that's why I had Bennett read all of chapter 1 because we're going to do that again next week, okay? So you've already practiced. You can do it again next week. You'll, you'll do ten times better. It's never bad for us to hear the Word of God. Remember what Romans 10.13 says? Faith comes by what? Hearing. Now notice he didn't say faith comes by reading. Faith comes by hearing. We need to listen to the Word of God. So I I suggest to folks that if you have a commute that takes you 20 minutes or more to get from point A to point B, to, from home to work, there are all kinds of electronic methods you can use, MP3s, CDs, whatever, and you can listen to the Word of God. I would encourage you to use your time wisely. Don't turn on the talk show and listen to somebody babble about politics and all that kind of garbage, listen to God's word because that's what's going to help set your mind in the right frame as you go to work and face the crazy world we live in. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have uh, gifted individuals who were able to take the word that was written in Greek and translate it into our language so that we can understand it. So we didn't have to necessarily learn Greek. We ask God that you would guide us and direct us this morning through your spirit because your word is sharper and powerful than any two-edged sword. That it will do its work through the spirit of God in our hearts this morning. So we ask for your help. We ask for your assistance. We ask, Lord, that you help to keep us alert even though sometimes the preacher may get kind of boring. We ask Lord that you would guide us and direct us this morning in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. Second Peter. It's obvious from the very beginning, as you look at verse one of Second Peter, it says, Simeon Peter." Now you may go, "Wait a minute. That's different than Simon Peter." No, it's not. Um, it's just two ways of expressing the same name. Simeon and Simon, same person. It was a, He had two names, Simon Peter. And so uh, it's written by the guy that we all know as the bombastic dude on the day of Pentecost, you know, that got up boldly and proclaimed the gospel, and 3,000 people came to know Christ. Same dude. Um, One thing that is fascinating about Peter is that. It, can you imagine what it would be like if we were missing certain chapters in the Bible? You ever thought about that? What if John 21 was not in the Scriptures? And you might say, well, so like, what would happen if we did miss it? Well, I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 26, first of all, so you can see why John 21 is so important. So turned to the Gospel of Matthew. By the way, I just should warn you, I'm the kind of guy, we, we look at Scripture. We don't just stay in one spot. I take you in different places. So you're going to have to put your Scriptural running shoes on. We're going to go to different places. So you're going to have to get used to where things are in the Bible. Matthew chapter 26 tells the story of what happened to Peter when Jesus was uh, arrested and taken into custody by the authorities, the Jewish authorities. And in verse 26, uh, chapter, six, chapter 26, verse 69, not verse 26. That's the institution of the Lord's Supper. Wrong pace. Uh, verse 59, or 69. Boy, I can't get things right this morning, can I? Verse 69, it's the last part of the chapter. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man, and immediately the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And what did Peter do? He went out and wept bitterly. Now in another account, we find that Jesus looked up and they made eye contact. And boy, I can't imagine the guilt that Peter felt. But Peter denied Jesus. If you jump to Acts chapter 2 and you read the record of what happened on the day of Pentecost at the beginning of the church, the inception of the church, what you find out is that Peter is the main spokesman. Wait a minute. Peter denies Jesus, says he doesn't know him, and walks out of that situation as a coward, and we don't hear any more about
0: it. Unless you read
1: John chapter 21. So turn to John 21. John chapter 21 kind of gives us what happened after Jesus denied Christ. And we find Peter in a very, very interesting situation. He is back to fishing again. Now remember, Peter was one of those with his brother who became, who were fishermen. They were in the fishing business. And uh, that's what they'd done until Jesus encounters them and then says to them, follow me. And what do they do? They follow him. And he becomes one of the prominent apostles. Jesus, apparently, Jesus saw in Peter, he had leadership qualities, but Peter was kind of rough around the edges. And Jesus, during his earthly ministry, was constantly hacking away at some of those rough edges on Peter. And finally, when it comes to uh, crunch time, when Peter could have very easily just admitted, yes, I know him, I'm one of his followers, I think Peter spoke and responded out of fear. Sounds a lot like me sometimes. That we don't stand up and speak what we ought to speak. And say what we ought to say. And declare that we do believe. And that we are followers of Jesus. So I don't, I'm, I'm not too hard on Peter. Because I want you to go easy with me. And we should go easy on each other as well because we all have... How many of you have ever faced when it's time to really speak up for Jesus in a critical situation, you'll wimp out? Yeah, done that. Been there. Peter did the same. But you know what? Jesus had compassion on Peter. Because listen to what happens in John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. Jesus just shows up on the the seashore of Galilee when they have been fishing all night. And he shows up and talks to them in verses 9 through 14. And he says, you know, I'm willing to cook breakfast for you. (laughs) And uh, how about catching some fish? And they all go, well, we've been fishing all night and we didn't catch anything. And Jesus tells them, gives them instructions as to what to do, and they, they have this massive haul of fish that comes in. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I think that these that he was referring to is, you know, the disciples and also maybe even his fishing industry that he was good at and that he'd been successful at. And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him then, Feed my lambs. I want you to notice the words feed and lambs. Because it's going to switch up as he goes down through. Just a hint. He said to him, Jesus, that is, said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well, he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Now that's the second time Jesus said, follow me to Peter. The first time he told them, follow me, Peter followed him. And he served him alongside of him and was apprenticed to Jesus as a disciple, seeing his rabbi, his friend, his master, show him the rope, show him the ropes, how to how to do what he was supposed to do. And then that crucial moment where he denies Jesus, Peter basically, in other words, says, I'm done. I give up, I can't do this. And Jesus goes to find Peter. He goes where Peter is and
0: says, Do you love me?
1: Are you committed to me? Are you willing to lay down your life for me like you said you would? I'll never deny you. I'll die with you. Remember what Jesus, what Peter said? Those were his words. And what did he end up doing? He denied Christ. So Peter saw his weakness and failure, and begins as Jesus approaches him and realizes he has a task, a duty. So what Jesus is doing in this passage in John 15, he is restoring Peter to his position. Peter had been a leader among the disciples, remember you had the twelve, but then you had Peter, James, and John, and they were always listed in that order in the text. Peter, James, and John. And the reason why they're listed in that order is because Peter was a prominent one, James was second in command, and John was third. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, out of his love and
0: compassion, understood Peter's dilemma,
1: and he forgave him and restored him. Now you have to understand that if we're going to understand Second Peter. Because if you don't understand where he came from and what happened to him see what I meant by if we didn't have John chapter 21 we wouldn't know how Peter could deny Jesus and then how he could become the great powerful proclaimer of the truth on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Now what was Peter's overall importance in the church? Now, if you go to Acts, we're not going to go to and look at Acts this morning in detail. But if you take and read the book of Acts, you'll find that Peter is very prominent from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 15. And then after the Jerusalem council, where Peter and Paul come together in Jerusalem with all the elders from the churches that had been planted so far in the, in the, in the beginning of the church, they had this council in Jerusalem where all the leaders from the churches that existed came together to discuss how they were going to deal with the problem of those that wanted to continue the, the, the traditions of Judaism and bring them into the church. And how is the church going to deal with those? Well, the conclusion is is that we're going to write a letter to all the churches, and we're going to list specific things that they shouldn't participate in, and that will be the conclusion of the matter. Peter is prominent in John 15. After John 15, you don't even see the name of Peter mentioned in the book of Acts. It's all about Paul. Paul is not mentioned at all until chapter 9 in Acts. So from Acts chapter 1 to 15, Peter is prominent, but he's decreasing in importance. Paul is mentioned in chapter 9 with the persecution and death of Peter, uh, of Stephen. Remember, he's the guy that's holding the cloaks. And then afterwards, he begins to go around and round up people. He gets letters from the chief priests and the rulers in Jerusalem to go out and hunt down Christians and put them to death even. Thinking that he was doing God's bidding. And Chris mentioned and talked about that this morning in our Sunday school lesson uh, from 1 Timothy. Um, how I think Paul recognized the, the awful thing that he had done and that he spent the rest of his life trying to uh, undo, if you will, what he had started in persecuting Christians in the book of Acts. But you find at the end of the book of Acts, from chapter 15 on, Peter no longer is mentioned, it's Paul. So Peter, his responsibility, and we find that from the book of Acts, and in contrast to that, we find it in, in, in Paul's epistles, that Peter was called and sent specifically to the house of Israel. He was intended to be the apostle to the Jews. And he fulfilled that ministry, even though God broadened his thoughts and ideas as to what the Jews were supposed to be and act toward Gentiles, when he had Cornelius in in the book of Acts, and he sends him to Cornelius and has that vision with the two sheets that come down out of heaven and say, you know, these are full of unclean animals and God says, eat, and Peter goes, oh, I've never touched anything unclean in my life. And Jesus says to him, no, you have to understand, I'm opening up my gates of grace and the doors of salvation to include the Gentiles. And you might say, and Peter and the Jews of his day would say, wait a minute, that's not what, but they were wrong. They need to go back and read Genesis chapter twelve, verses one to four, and find out that yes, God had promised to Abraham a land, which is the territory of Israel today, seed, offspring, a nation that would be more numerous than the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky, but they would also be a blessing, a blessing to whom? The Gentiles, and so Peter needed to be reminded of that. Paul goes back in Romans. And reminds them, hey, wait a minute. The promises are not all just for Jews. They're not for the Hebrews, the Israelites. They're for everybody. And that's why God has included and opened up His grace to all. So that we can all enjoy the benefits and the beauty of the gospel. And then you go to Revelation that we were uh, reminded of this morning. And guess what? Revelation chapters 4 and 5. Worthy is the Lamb. To receive honor and glory and blessing and power. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain. For whom? People from all nations and tribes and peoples and languages. Yeah, all kinds of ethnic groups. Including the Jews, but including the rest of the world as well. And so, Peter needed to understand that. And that flavors or colors Peter's language... In 2 Peter. So let's go to 2 Peter. And let's look at to whom did Peter write his epistle. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now we find out that Peter addresses his message to a group of people that have been displaced. These people, Jewish people, and he's the apostle to the Jews, so hence his interest in them. I should have prepared for you a map this morning so you could see the extensive
0: area that Peter was referencing when he wrote
1: to uh, these people. Let me say this. Refugees have been part of the history of our world since the beginning of history. Due to the cruelty and sinfulness of man, people groups are singled out for persecution or even extinction. We found that recently in
0: Rwanda. You
1: remember those atrocities a few years ago? I mean, in the collective mind of people, especially in the West, sometimes that gets forgotten. But having been in Africa in Uganda and meeting several of my brothers who survived that horrendous genocide
0: by the Hutus and Tutsis,
1: Uh, even one of the pastors that I was training, his family had been the recipient of some of that cruelty, just all-out slaughter and murder walking into
0: people's homes and just shooting them point blank
1: awful and it created a tremendous amount of displacement of peoples we're we're experiencing that right now with with individuals from Ukraine coming to the US because of the conflict occurring over in their country being invaded by the Russians so this is nothing new but put yourself in the place of people who are being displaced because of either their religious views or because of political. They're the wrong tribe, the skin, their skin color is the wrong color or the wrong shade, and therefore they have to flee for their lives. That is the audience that Peter was addressing. These are people that, having lived in Jerusalem, faced the. Uh, the anger, the ire, the disdain of the authorities in Jerusalem because they were, quote, Christians, followers of the way, followers of Jesus. That, as, what did you say, Chris? He was, what did Ben Shapiro call him? And he paid the price for his rebellion, right? Right. And that's how modern Jews sometimes view Jesus. Not all modern Jews view him that way, but secular modern Jews do. Jesus was just a revolutionary, and he paid the price for his revolutionary tendencies
0: and rhetoric. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. To those
1: that believe, they have eternal life. That's the message of the Gospel of John. (laughs) Find out who Jesus is and believe him.
0: And you will know salvation for your sins. That's the gospel in a nutshell, really. So,
1: look at at 1 Peter chapter 1 and the first two verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect, exiles, there's the word, exiles of the dispersion. And then he lists all these different places where they went. Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So these people were spread out throughout the
0: Roman Empire. That's the recipients of this letter. That's to whom Peter is writing. They weren't close
1: by. Now remember, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have FedEx, they didn't have overnight shipping
0: from Amazon, everything was done by foot, on land, or by water, they didn't even have airplanes, Ah, the nerve.
1: So communication took a long time. It took days, weeks in some places to, re- to, to go from where Peter was, most likely Jerusalem, to wherever these recipients were located in all these varied places, such as Bithynia and uh, Cappadocia and other places. So you see a little bit of the, 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 the challenge That Peter had to get his message to the people who needed to hear this message. So 1 Peter is written as his first letter to those people. And then you go to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. He waits until chapter 3 to give us this information. He says, this is now what I'm writing to you, 2 Peter. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, that is in 1 Peter and in this letter, 2 Peter, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of a reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? And then he unfolds the, the the truth about the creation and the deluge, the flood, the global flood that took place under Noah. So Peter is reminding his readers, don't forget these essential things. And that is the people to whom Peter was writing. Displaced refugees in a foreign land worshiping the God of the Bible in a pagan world. Hmm, does that sound a little bit like us? That's us. <laughs> so Second Peter is extremely relevant to the world we live in. Did you know that you and I, as believers and followers of Jesus, are displaced people living in a foreign land, worshiping the true God among people that don't love God and want to persecute Christians? And if you don't think that's the world we live in, then you have been living under a rock. Because all you do is have to read the news. And that is what we face every day. So the message of 2 Peter, I think, is extremely relevant to where we are living today. And if that is the case, then we need to, as 21st century Christians, listen and heed carefully what Peter is saying in his second epistle. Because these are the things we need to know and be thinking about as we live our lives in this world. We may be in a more conservative area of the nation, but guess what? The world is out there.
0: And our enemy, the devil, wants to eat you
1: alive. How are you going to defend yourself? How are you going to live? What's the mindset that you need as we go out and face those things? That's what Second Peter addresses.
0: Now, let's look at the text of Second Peter
1: for just a few moments. Second Peter is divided into three chapters. By the way, those chapters and verses are not inspired, just so you know that. The words are inspired, but not the versification and chapter divisions. Anybody, can anybody tell me when we got a Bible, when, the, when chapters and verses first appeared?
0: Does anybody know when that happened? Well, it actually happened in 1699. The publication of
1: the Geneva Bible. Which is the first Bible that came to the 13 colonies. Everybody thinks, oh, the King James Bible came. -uh. You know what? King James did not permit the publishing of the King James Bible in the 13 colonies until in the middle of the 1700s. 13 colonies started in 1600s. And the first Bible to come to the U.S., to North American shores was the Geneva Bible. And the Geneva Bible was the first Bible in English to have verses and chapters. So they, are, they didn't come... If you look at a Hebrew text or a Greek manuscript, you'll see there are no verses. There's no numbers. And there are no chapters. It's just beginning words, ending words. And then you have all these columns of words. So... Please be careful. Don't let that taint and color how you view the English text when you go to study God's Word. Sometimes it's a help, and other times it's a hindrance. And lately, Crossway has produced an ESV Bible that, I don't have it here, but they have a Bible that doesn't have any versifications. It just has the book of Second Peter. And you have Second Peter with divisions of paragraphs, all the way through. So you can read the text here, and you don't know when you ended chapter one and began chapter two, or ended chapter two and started chapter three. You don't know. Because that is how it was written. And when sometimes we need to go back and read the scriptures and ignore those versification numbers and those chapter divisions, because the author was making a point and trying to follow through on a thought, and he moves from one thing to another. In some packs, there have been divisions of a chapter between a verse that's a whole sentence and it ends in one chapter and starts in another, but it makes it look like, you see the dilemma we're in? So ignore the chapter divisions, ignore the verses, if you can, and read the text fluidly as it moves through so you catch the drift of what the author is trying to tell you. So let's do that for a moment. Did you notice, this morning, a recurring word throughout chapter 1 as you read? Can anybody just, did you see a recurring word that you noticed that happened more than once? And there were different forms of the word, so it's not just the same word always, but it is a form of the word. Anybody want to know? Anybody want to take a guess?
0: You can look at the screen and find out what the word was. I made Kyle work. Okay, there you go.
1: Look at verse 3. May the grace and peace be multiplied to you in the what? Knowledge... Of God and of Jesus our Lord. Look at verse 3. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the what? Knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. If you look through the entire epistle of 2 Peter. You will find that the word knowledge, know and known. Are used 15 times in 61 verses. that's significant you'll also notice something else if you go to chapter 1 and verse 20 you will notice that peter uses this phrase i don't know if you noticed it this morning when bennett read it for us verse 20 it says knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation Now turn to chapter 3 and look at verse 3 and what do you find there again? Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing following their own sinful desires. I want to submit to you that Peter made a very distinct and concerted intentional effort through the inspiration of the Spirit of God to repeat that phrase, knowing this first of all. It's not a mistake. It's not like, oh, he just happened, I couldn't find another way to say this, so I did it. No. He intentionally wrote those two phrases, and he repeated them because he had something important to say following that phrase. So we need to pay attention to that. That is kind of a guide to the whole thing about knowledge knowing because i want you to notice also what does he begin with in verse three of chapter one may the grace may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of god and of our and of jesus our lord look at chapter three the last verse of the whole epistle and what does he say but what do i want you to do grow in the grace and what knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. What is Peter's point? I want you to know something. And our quest in our time together in the Word in these next few weeks is going to be, what in the world does He want us to know? Well, knowing this first of all, that there is no interpretation that is private. And secondly, knowing first of all that there are going to be people that are going to come around and destroy the truth. They're going to mock. They're going to counter. Now is there anything new under the sun? What did Satan do with Eve in the garden? Did God really say that? So he's challenging knowledge. And that's what Satan, the evil one, does. He takes truth, And he first of all casts doubt on it, questions it, and then he tries to contradict it. And you know what we do?
0: All too often, we fall for it. You know, it's an interesting fact
1: that the most uh, prominent group that seems to become part of the Mormon church Are Baptists.
0: Were you aware of that? Well, I mean, Mormons
1: use the King James Bible, so they must be telling the truth. Right? Right? Eh, Wrong. Just because you use a version of the Bible doesn't mean you proclaim the truth that comes from that version. They sound very much like Christians. They use a lot of Christian lingo. They speak Christianese real well. And you know, they're moral and
0: upright people, right? Not always.
1: They have a form of godliness, but they don't believe the truth. Did you know that Mormonism teaches that, that Satan is Jesus's younger brother who went astray? What? You're going to put Satan on the same par as Jesus
0: Christ, the Son of God? That's how twisted what Mormonism teaches. So Peter's point, and I find this rather fascinating and stunning, that Peter very early
1: on in the church's history has to take a step back and he says i want you to remember look at chapter 1 chapter 1 verse 12 we read it this morning therefore and this is peter's intent this is peter's purpose for writing the book of second peter okay just like john His purpose, the Gospel of John. His purpose in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31 is, uh, I have explained to you who Jesus that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, you might have eternal life. That's the purpose of John's Gospel. So when I have people that want to know who Jesus is, guess where I send them? The Gospel of John. (laughs) Because that's the passage, that's the book in the Bible that's going to explain to them who Jesus is. Now, why did Peter write Second Peter? There, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Verse 12 of chapter 1. Though you know them, and are, by the way, there's that word know again, uh, and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am in the body to stir you up by way of a reminder. There he said remind, and now he's not t- talking about reminder. Since I know that putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me I will also make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall there is used three times remind, remember, recall Peter's purpose was to help his readers to not forget what they already knew now that brings me to a very important point as we get together and as we will gather in
0: weeks to come. You are not
1: here to come and learn something new and improved. Let me just warn you, beware of preachers who say those kinds of things. My responsibility as a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to remind you of the truths that are already recorded in the Bible, not to find some fancy little nuance and, oh, I discovered something new this week. No, you catch me on it and you call me on it, please. Because that's not what our goal and purpose is, gathering together. Our goal and purpose is to take and review, be reminded of, and remember and recall the things that the scriptures already have spoken to us that are true.
0: I'm very wary of of preachers who try to be clever and catchy with the truth. Our responsibility as proclaimers of
1: the gospel is not to be clever and creative with the truth. Our responsibility is to remind those who come within the sound of our voice and remind them of the truths that are already in Scripture. Now, is there something you might learn that you didn't know before? That's the point, remember? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that when you come on Sunday mornings and when you come to prayer meeting, that you come with the purpose of learning something that you didn't know that was in the scriptures. But beware of the preacher that tells you that he's going to, I discovered something new in the Bible this week. Mm. Until you show me what you learned, I'm going to... Take you very, very cautiously and listen to you very carefully. If it isn't evident, if you can't show me that it's in the Bible, I will not believe you. How's that sound? Sounds pretty categorical, doesn't it? It's intended to be. (laughs) I want us to be Bereans, I want us to study the scriptures together. And there are things that I might miss that you see. And I need to learn those. And I need to observe those things. And we need to point them out to one another. That's healthy. That's how we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Remember, I want to just read another passage right as we end. Look at verse 3 of chapter 1. This verse has meant a tremendous amount to me. His divine power, mainly God's, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know, that's a great help to me and encouragement to me to be careful and cautious to listen with, with cautious ears. And my dad used to say, we were talking about this this last week about how we end up repeating things that our parents said to us. My dad used to say, he's been gone now since and uh, my dad used to say you need to read every what anybody says like you would eat watermelon and you know how you eat watermelon right you spit out the pits in other words don't take what everybody writes in a book just because it's a famous author and someone that 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 is 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 well known in evangelical christianity do not take what they say As if it's gospel truth. Compare what they say with the scriptures. That's your job. That's my job. And your job, as you hear me, is to take what I say, compare it with the scriptures, say, is that what the Bible says? Or is Tim just kind of pontificating? And he just gave you his opinion. I'll try to tell you when I'm giving you my opinion, and we might disagree, and that's okay. You have every right to be wrong. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, we need, to, we need to call one another to account. Listen carefully. Evaluate according to the scriptures. But notice what he says in verse 3. He says, His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. That is how God has done that. And what method does God use to bring us to the knowledge of the truth? Look at the end of the verse. Verse Verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. He goes back to the Bible, doesn't he? He goes back to the scriptures. Now, obviously, the scriptures that were extant during the period of time that Peter wrote this epistle was the Old Testament. So he says, go back and confirm. But then that's what he does in the rest of the epistle. He says, you know, there were false prophets. There will be false teachers. Beware of them. That's why he brings it to their attention. And then he uses some pretty uh, 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 graphic Old Testament examples to show what that looks like. Folks, Peter doesn't teach his hearers, his readers, anything new. He reminds them of what God has already told them. And folks, as we study Second Peter, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to Scripture and say, well, then what did God say? What did he teach? what do we need to remember knowing this first of all that there's no private interpretation and secondly knowing this first of all that there are going to be what scoffers that are come in and guess what scoffers do they scoff <laughs> i always think that phrase is rather humorous like what else would a scoffer do you know he scoffs that's what a scoffer does but beware we need to be aware of that and boy I could give you multiple examples today of people who scoff at the truth, who mock it, and say, come on, are you serious? Are you guys going to believe that? Beware of those people. Because they're trying to sell you some kind of snake oil that you don't want. Now, what are we going to do with this? I mean, how do you take what I just did in a few minutes here, are you going to use it? Well, I'm going to suggest one, uh, two things to you today. First of all, I want you to take, and it'll take you about 20, 25 minutes if you read it out loud. It may take you a half hour, but read 2 Peter 1, 2, and 3. Read the three chapters of 2 Peter. Read the epistle this week. That's a great way to get ready for what we're going to do. And in fact, I would suggest you just read Second Peter every week before you come to church. Because then you'll become familiar with what Peter is saying. And then you'll be able to say, hey, I don't know, Tim, are you right on that? Show me. Because <laughs> that's not what I got. Okay? So we can challenge one another. And the second thing is, this is not difficult, but I would counsel you to rehearse the gospel as you think through 2 Peter. Because Peter mentions a whole bunch of very relevant and important things about the gospel in his epistle. And that will prepare your heart
0: for what you're going to hear from Peter about and addressed to his audience. Remember, you and I
1: are sojourners would, would you like to know why that's the truth i think if you look in colossians I, th- I wrote it down and then i left the paper with marcia where is it colossians if i could find colossians in my bible i'd be really good okay colossians chapter i think it's chapter one Nope,
0: chapter two What is it? It's written on, on the Sunday school page.
1: I Yeah, see? See, that's what happens with old people. It's chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 19. There you go. What does Paul say to the Ephesian believers? And that's who we are, by the way. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And then he goes talking about the foundation of the church, etc. But we need to remember that we, this world is not our final dwelling place. When I was in high school, we'd go to camp and we'd sing this song. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Why? Because my citizenship is in heaven. And if you get too comfortable here, you're going to be really hurting when you get to heaven. Because you've gotten used to this lifestyle. And did you know that this lifestyle, with all the bells and whistles and all the fancy things that we enjoy every single day,
0: cannot be compared to the life that you're going to live with Jesus for eternity? Amen, bud? We should not feel comfortable here. And if we are uncomfortable, good. That's healthy. Get comfortable with what God
1: says is going to happen. Don't forget it. That's why Peter wrote this epistle. Remember, recall, be reminded, because those are the things that are important. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the truth that calls us to get back to basics. Think about what you want us to think about. We get distracted by politics, the internet. What's
0: trending, what's important to other people, and other people's opinions about what people say and do. Help us, Lord, to strive to be like Jesus. May that be our purpose, our
1: goal, our desire. Help us to be able to drown out all the noise around us and listen to what God's word has to say because that's what really counts in the end.
0: I know it's hard to do because
1: some of us get, are easily distracted. We have spiritual ADD and we ask, Lord, that you would cure us of that. And help us to keep our hearts and our minds focused on what the Word of God says and the things that are important to what your Word says. We might live by them and please you in all that we do and say. And we certainly will be, Lord, different, weird, odd,
0: out of the ordinary, not normal to the world. We also know that as we do that,
1: It will be an excuse and a cause for the world to ask us, why do you act different? Why do you think so differently? Lord, we might be ready to give an answer to every man that asks. Help us, Lord, with that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to challenge you um, to be with us. Come on up, guys, for worship team. Come on up. Um, Wednesday nights. I'm going to be teaching through a little book that, that has helped change my perspective on evangelism and outreach. It's a book called Sent by Heather and Ashley Holliman. And I would like to invite those of you who are able to come and uh, learn together on Wednesday nights. Uh, we'll, we'll take time to do that um, uh, after we pray together. And maybe it will help to shape and our, our prayer life. Um, to pray for those that we know, don't know Jesus, that live around us. So I'd like to just invite you to, to join us. If you'd like to get the book, go on Amazon. I think it costs a couple bucks. You can get the Kindle edition. I have it on my iPad. Uh, it's easy to read. Very, very, very practical and helpful. So if you'd like to join us with that, then uh, I invite you to come. Go ahead, Stu.